0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So we're in lessons from the book of Nehemiah on how to build again. This message or this series comes out of the realization that for many people, the last 18 months has meant a degradation and erosion of some of the important things in their life. And their, their mental health or maybe their relationships or whatever. So many people are so occupied with what they can't do, they're missing what God is doing. And I'm going to speak about that, I think, next Sunday morning on the, the, uh, the importance of the pause. Uh, what happens in the pause in your life. But this message uh, or this series on the book of Nehemiah, because he's building something. But he's not building something that's never been built before, Uh, sorry, for the first time. He's rebuilding what's already been there. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 says Now it happened when Sinbala, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I'd rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Senballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. I sent messages to them, saying, I am doing a great work. We'll come back to that. I'm doing a great work, so I can't come down. Why should the work cease? Whilst I come down to you. Now, Michael did not know what I was going to preach about. And I had no idea what he was going to speak about in his five minutes of fire. But you're going to discover as we go into this, that there is a synergy of both those messages. There's some things in that for all of us if we're going to rebuild. All right, let's keep on going. But they sent me this message four times. If you've got a paper Bible, you can underline that. I don't know what you do. Uh, if you're on MetroChurch.online, you can just put an underline under that note because the notes are there for you and you can then email them to you. It's print them out or whatever you want. Uh, they sent this message four times. Four times I answered them in the same manner. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. But now he comes with an open letter in his hand and in it's written, it's reported among the nations and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are actually rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. Have you ever had someone question your motive? You're only doing this because you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're only doing this because you hope to get a platform or applause or praise. You're only doing this to try and look good. Well, Nehemiah gets accused of exactly that. And he says, you're going to declare that there's a king in Judah. All of this is going to get reported to the king. So come, therefore, let us consult together. I said to him, saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you're inventing them in your own heart. Because I know what's going on. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now, therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. Can I say right at the outset, I am not making any statements about any of the stuff that's going on around the world right now. However, I would say this to you. Be careful that you don't get enmeshed in debates, in arguments, in things that will weaken your heart, will make you afraid and will get your mind off what God is doing and what God has for you and instead engage you in things that will pass away for they are but temporal. I know this much that what the devil can't stop He'll always try to hinder. Daniel 7 verse 25 in the Amplified Bible says this, that he'll speak words against the Most High God. This is the devil. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. In other words, there is an enemy of your soul and one of his prime jobs is to wear you down. To get so that your faith is, has no strength anymore. To get you to the point where your love for God becomes dull and dim. To get you to the point where your passion for the things of God just gets dulled by all the incessant, the unceasing, the non-stop wearing down of your thinking and of your heart. And sometimes, can I say to you, sometimes those voices are not the ballot and Tobiah and Geshem. Sometimes, as we'll discover in a minute, they're people much closer to home. Sometimes the voices that speak the loudest are from people that ought to know better but don't. Who's he trying to wear down? This enemy in Daniel 7.25. He's trying to wear down the people that are building something. There are two weapons in his arsenal that I'm just going to give you quickly tonight. Two weapons to weaken builders. One of them is what we've just read. It's discouraging words. And so when Sambalat and Tobiah and Gesheb the Arab, when they can't get him to stop, when they can't get him to cease the work, they then want to distract him and hinder him. And when they can't get him to do it because they're all foreigners, Verse 10 says they then go and get Shemiah. And Shemiah's a prophet. In other words, he's one of Nehemiah's, should be one of Nehemiah's friends. He ought to be a supporter. He ought to be somebody who's bringing the word of the Lord, but instead it becomes a mouthpiece for the enemy. And verse 10, Shemaiah continues on with this. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Yada 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 Yada, who was a secret informer. He says, Let's meet together in the house of God within the temple. Close the doors of the temple because they're coming to kill you. At night, they will come to kill you. And this person, now I'm not trying to to set up an us and them. That's never my point. My point is to equip you so that you don't fall for the trap of the enemy, no matter where it comes from. No matter whether it's your social media feed, whether it's off uh, some friend group of yours, whether it's the people at work, or whether it's a fellow believer who ought to elevate their conversation. Now, I expect this to be an incredibly popular message. Maybe not. I'm not against hearing uh, stories. We are sharing those when we pray for the nations, like we did this morning for Brazil, like we did last week for, I'm not sure where it was. Was it Italy last week? I don't know, a bunch, wherever it is. And we've been every Sunday morning getting another nation, getting someone to pray in their home language for that. And part of that is sometimes, like we did this morning, Pastor Bruce shared some of the statistics about what's happening. I'm I'm not trying to buy into that debate. I'm trying to say to you this much, that one of the chief weapons the enemy has is discouraging words for your life. And maybe it's got nothing to do with COVID or pandemics or anything else. Maybe it's just the voice that says, well, you know, you should give up on that dream because it's been so long and you've been stuck and it doesn't look any more likely and maybe it's never going to come to pass. And I want you to see tonight how Nehemiah responds to discouraging words. He doesn't go, no, 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 and try and get into a debate. Too many people want to get into an argument with the devil. They want to debate and find proof. Listen, the day you do that, the devil will wear you out looking for proof that God's on your side. He'll wear you out finding all the reasons why God actually does love you. Instead of starting from the point of God loves me, you'll start from the point of going, I wonder if God loves me. And when you start from that point, everything that happens becomes a thumbs up or a thumb down. Everything that happens in your life. Can I say to you that some of the most called people in the Bible had thumbs down days. Some of the most amazing believers had thumbs down days when nothing looked like God was with them. When you're Paul and Silas and you've been preaching the gospel and you've been setting people free in the name of Jesus and then they throw you into jail and they don't just throw you into jail. They tear the shirt off your back with the whip marks that penetrate into your skin and then they fasten you in the stocks and all you've done was obey God. I want to tell you. If you were one of those people right then who lives like this, then that'd be definitely one of those days, wouldn't it? If you're Joseph and God gave you a dream and all that God said He was going to do, and then you get chucked into a pit, and you go from the pit to Potiphar's house, you get unjustly accused and you go from Potiphar's house to the prison. I want to tell you, if you were there, though all of those days, every day he got up was one of those days. But the Bible says twice in the story of Joseph. In the midst of those days, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. He was with him in those days as much as he was on the day they brought him out of the prison and made him prime minister of all of Egypt and let him have the signet ring of Pharaoh and in Pharaoh's personal Tesla. Those... See, you can't measure whether God's with you by that day or that day. Come on, some of you here will have had just the worst year of your life. And the enemy wants you to get into a debate. Is God with me? Has he forgotten me? What about all the things God said? Where is it? Where are you, God? Listen to me. Are you hearing me tonight? Never get into a debate with the devil about the love or the power of God. Never let the devil try somehow or other to convince you that God's forgotten you. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't care about you. Because the day you get onto that shaky ground, you'll begin to sink. Come on, I know I'm preaching great tonight for somebody that's here. Somebody that right now you're in that space where you're kind of looking at all of this and you're going to yourself, God, have you forgotten me? And, and Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and Shemaiah the, the Jew who is on the wrong side. All of these people are whispering to you and saying, listen, listen, it's not going to happen. You might as well give up. It's never going to take place. And that's why I love what Nehemiah does. He doesn't get onto that ground. Do you know if you don't get into the devil's arena, he can't fight you. Listen to what Nehemiah says. Helen saying, "Oh no, please don't think like that. No, look, look, no, really, our hearts are pure." He says this, "I am doing a great work. Why should I come down? Why should I step down from the throne to wrestle a pig in the mud?" Amen. Huh? Why should I step down from the throne? Amen. Why should I step down? Come on, I believe tonight that God wants to write something in the hearts of many of us, myself included. Come on, Jeff, stop wondering. Stop getting off the throne to play football with the devil. Plan a game you can't win. Once you get on his turf, he's got you. I'm doing a great work, he says. Don't invite your critics home. Don't give him a room in your house. Paul to Timothy, a young leader who's under enormous pressure. Paul gives him similar advice. He says this. He says, "Why don't you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might wage the good warfare?" He says, "Timothy, don't get into the what ifs and who, how comes." I said this to a to a man this week who was in a very difficult place health wise. I said, you know what I love about Psalm 23? Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. Verse 4, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I said, you know what I love about that? As I said, he doesn't say why he's there or how long he's there for. It just says, I'm with you no matter what's going on. You can be, come on, you can be in the valley of the shadow of death. You can, come on, you can be in the worst place. You can be in the ugliest place of your entire life and Jesus will still say, I'm with you. Yeah. Amen? I'm with you right in that spot. So Paul says to Timothy, war a good warfare by the prophetic word. Lots of you here hearing me tonight, lots of you will have had a prophetic word over your life. Don't let it stay in that cassette. You know what I mean? Make sure it gets inside your heart. There are some things that I keep telling the Lord that got prophesied over Rhonda and I 33 years ago. I say, Lord, this is what you said. This is what you said. Lord, this is what you said. But, Lord, this is what you said. But, Lord, this is what you said. But, Lord, this is what you said. If you say, I don't have a prophetic word, here's my advice open up this book. And find one for yourself. Amen. Don't answer why your critics are wrong and you're really okay and your mother and father were wrong. I met people who are still fighting dead relatives. The parent who said it's long gone and they're still arguing with dad in the head. I don't know about the rest of you. What was I doing yesterday? Something or other. And I thought, my mother still lives. She's in heaven. So she's certainly alive there. But sometimes, you know, what was it? I was doing something yesterday and I thought, Mum, you know, it might have been stand up when a lady enters the room or something. Like that. It was something really old-fashioned. But I remember my mum would be like, S-. so there am I standing up. People look at you like, what, what, what are you doing? I go, to my mother. And that's not a bad thing. But I meet people who are still trying to live down what Dad said, what Mum said. What year three teachers said? What their first boss said? You're a loser. Huh? And they're still trying to live it down. Why would you want to argue with that stuff? Here's the second weapon. It's unrelenting disappointment. Let me take you quickly, and I will be quick, to another story that if you've been in this church for very long, you've heard it a lot of times because he's one of my favourites. It's Gideon in Judges chapter 6. This only, I read this this week, I've never seen it before. Judges 6 verse 2 says, The hand of Midian, they were the enemies, prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds. They were in the mountains. These people stopped living normal lives and go into caves. So it was, watch this, so it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the East would come up. No wonder the children of Israel have given up. They're worn down because it's every single harvest time. They sow, the crop comes up, here come the Midianites and the Amalekites. They sow, the crop comes up, the Midianites and the Amalekites come That puts such a different perspective on Gideon who's threshing wheat in the winepress. He wasn't a coward. He was actually doing something more than anybody he knew would do. The rest of them have forsaken the harvest. Listen, the rest of them have forsaken the harvest and gone to the dens and the caves. He alone's in a winepress. Do you remember when we were in Israel and we saw the winepress? I don't know about you, I was shocked because... I imagine a wine press being inside of a building, but in those days it was out in the open. So when he was in this wine press, everybody could see him. I remember being in it and trying to get down and see if I could hide in it. And I, there's no way I could have hidden it. You would have seen me. Gideon's not some cowardly person who's turned his back. No, that's everybody else. But unrelenting disappointment can take you out of the place of fruitfulness. and what God, What's God's answer? It's strong vision and small victories. He says to this guy who says of himself he's the least in his father's house and we're the least family and we're the least tribe. He says, you're going to save Israel as one man. Talk about a strong vision. But then Jesus says to his disciples, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world and they haven't done anything yet. And God says to you, you're more than a conqueror. And you go, hello? What, really? He goes, yeah, that's you. But then Gideon, if you follow the story, gets some small victories. Gets to bring an offering that gets consumed, built an altar, cuts down a grove to Baal, breaks down that altar. I was talking to a friend of mine this week. Ten, please come. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, a young man. He's got one daughter, just a teenager, one below that. He rang me, I think, about a year ago when he first got diagnosed with stage four cancer and he'd heard some of my story and said, can you give me some advice? And my advice was, do you have a word from God? Hang on to that. See beyond where you are. see the end, a good end. But he told me his journey was so much more challenging than mine ever was. He told me he's had eight heart resets in the last, this year. So where are we up to in October? He's had eight heart resets. I said, what's that? He said, my heart has been going so fast, they actually have to stop it and reset it. And I'm kind of going, man. And I said, but Sam, you sound so good. He said, you know, I decided right at the very beginning of all of this that I was going to rejoice no matter what. He said, and I keep finding reasons to rejoice. He said, my eldest daughter, in the midst of all of this, I said, he said, her and her sister have been seeking God like never before. They've been serving God Like never before, they've been sharing the gospel with people, going on outreaches as a a young teenager and just a a slightly uh, older child. And he he said, that is so exciting. And I thought about all the people I know who never see the small victories. Are you looking for them? God will have them around your life. He always does. Are you keeping your eyes open for the small victories while you're believing for the big one? Father, we thank you tonight in Jesus' name. You are the greatest bounce-back person there's ever been on the planet. That's ever been in the universe. You said a righteous man or woman can fall seven times, but they'll rise up again. You put something inside of your people that's eternal, that can't be stopped, can't be held back, can't be stopped. So God, I thank you for letting there be a great release of that over each one of our lives in Jesus' name. When discouraging words come, Lord, help us to zero in on your word, not enter into the debates, the dialogue, the argument, but just to say, God, this is what you've said. It's what I believe. In Jesus' name. Come on, sing it again. It is well with my soul. Come on. Just while you're seated, just take a minute. Come on, we've got time. Let your heart wrap around that word and say, that's for me. I'm going to take it home. And this week, this week I'm going to live different. I'm going to live like I'm on the throne. I'm not down in the mire with the enemy. Come on. Mine. It is where. Well. It is well, it is well, yeah, with my soul, it is is well. Come on, let's stand and honour the Lord tonight. Oh, with with my soul. What a great declaration to carry into this week. For it is well with my soul, for it can I say that some of you here tonight might say, I'd love to sing that, Jeff, but it's not well with my soul because I don't know Jesus. The gospel is not a positive message of hope. It is, but, oh my God, it's so much more than that. Jesus never said, you'll feel better if you follow me. He never said, if you come to me, I'll prove what you got. Jesus said, if you'll open up your heart to me, you'll be born again. You'll be transformed. You'll get a new life. Oh, that's not improvement. That's radical change. And that's what happens when Jesus comes into someone's life. Radical change. Some of you tonight, maybe the first time anyone's ever asked you, have you said yes to Jesus? Do you need to say yes to Christ tonight? Online, in the building? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person, no matter who they are, where they are. There's no way I can know all their life, but you do. And you've arranged for them to hear this right now, wherever they are. Whatever time zone, whatever day it is, when they are a part of it. Because you are saying to them, I want you. I want you to receive me. I want you to open up your heart. I want to come in. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want you to be saved. I want you to be born again. Lord, I pray for those people. Let them give you their yes. You'll answer
1: it. You'll come in
0: in Jesus' name. Just look this way a minute. If that's you, wherever you are, if you're in Australia, you can just simply text yes to 0488. The number's up there on the screen. 488 Email it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're a Metro Church Online, you tap on the Yes button. It's so easy, but it's so profound. What will happen? Well, first of all, let me tell you what won't happen. A. We won't harvest your data. B. We won't put you on some great mailing list. C. We'll never write and ask you for money. What will happen? We'll send you a, a Bible verse different every day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like most people only two people have ever opted out and all the now a couple of years we've been doing this everybody wants it and they stay on there for it we send you a prayer a different one every day for 30 days so you can hear what God says and then you can talk back to him it'll help you so I pray you'll do that 048826392 yes.metrochurch.org.au or the yes button comes from us nowhere else That's why I can guarantee to you, you'll never get anything apart from what I've said. We pray it'll be well with your soul in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that when we come to meet with you, it's never predictable. You turn up and do things that we had no idea about. We love that about you. God, I pray that every person that's here and that's a part of this service will leave here strengthened, better equipped. They'll turn down the volume on some of those words, no matter where they're from. They'll turn up the words of God for their life. They'll find the small victories in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.